Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. This is Dan Hughes. My guest today is Chris Wallace, Senior Portfolio Manager at Von Nelson. Welcome, Chris. Thank you, Dan. So, Chris, uh, the U.S. equity market today is in the midst of a substantial fourth quarter correction. Uh, much of the liquidity-fueled market that we've experienced over the last few rates, uh, last few years, coupled with uh, low interest rate environment, um, is beginning to experience some difficulty. Uh, as, as we've discussed, you know, investors are, are familiar with bear markets, uh, most often caused by economic recession. Uh, but my question to you is, is, is it necessary to have a recession in order to experience a bear market? Yeah, yeah no, certainly it's not. You know, just in the last probably three or four decades, we've had 10 bear markets. And of those 10, only six were actually coincided with a recession. So a recession certainly isn't a precondition for a bear market. And so, you know, as, you, as we've looked out over the last few weeks, a lot of what we've seen um, is, is really a, a recessing of price, I, I would argue, right? And, you know, we've, we've experienced uh, on a global basis, you know, roughly about $17 trillion in, in quantitative easing. And, and much of that uh, has, has flowed into U.S. equity markets inside the cap capital markets as opposed to, to de development and infrastructure. Um, you, you've just mentioned before, you know, liquidity is, is beginning to change structurally. Do you mind to uh, expanding on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think when you think about a recession um, or you think about all a recession does is kind of clean up the excesses. And people are used to framing a recession around economic activity, whether that's excess leverage at the consumer level, whether that's excess housing, excess auto production, um, excess hiring in certain sectors. And, you know, when you really think about the business cycle we've been in for the last six or seven years, the excesses really aren't in any economic unit. I mean, it's not a unit of activity. You know, we, we didn't build too many houses. Um, there's still plenty of demand for homes. We've just run into affordability problem. And when you look at what the excess was, it really was central bank money printing and excess liquidity and those excesses, as rates went to zero, money was produced far uh, at a level far greater than what could be absorbed by the real economy. It pushed prices higher. And now, you know, we've seen central banks reverse course. Um, and reversing that liquidity means we're going to reprice assets. And the first one we pre repriced was U.S. dollar went from, you know, returning zero to now, you know, two and a half percent on a one year basis or higher. And then you have to start repricing all other securities accordingly. Um, and to tie it back to economic activity, certainly it can have an impact. Uh, but housing is a great example. It's not that we don't have demand for housing. There's plenty of demand for housing. We actually probably have a, a short of housing stock. We just have a shortage of affordable housing stock. So prices have to fall in order to clear markets. Um, and you're right to point out that, you know, for U.S. investors... And things have been great. It got bumpy during the year, but it's really only in this fourth quarter that it's turned uh, rather abruptly uh, against U.S. equity investors. And that's because we've crowded dollars into our economy and they've gone into dollar assets. Right. No, that's that's, that's terrific. Thank you. So uh, as, you, as you think about you know, some of your comments a few moments ago with respect to recessions, uh, so many, many investors have experienced a recession you know, at some point throughout their career. How, how do you use this, this current environment differ from what we've experienced previously? Yeah, you know, we are going to have an economic slowdown at some point. <clears throat> Clearly, um, you know, Europe 
is very near recessionary uh, activity levels in some of the core areas of Europe. Uh, China is, in fact, slowing down. And as I said, you know, we're going to have a recession in liquidity and we're going to recess asset prices and that's going to have knock-on effects to the economy. You know, even setting that aside, and if we just go back and say we're going to at some point have a traditional recession, how will it be different? I think the key difference, and this is what I think equity markets are going to start sniffing out during 2019, is the policy tools at the disposal, in the U.S. case, of the Federal Reserve are going to be very different and have very different impacts than they've had in the past. And what I mean by that is they, they're not going to be able to just simply cut rates and have an impact. Um, what we're going to have to probably do is have greater coordination between fiscal policy and monetary policy. And our greatest lever, and our really our only lever at this point, is going to be to weaken the dollar and weaken the dollar materially. So if the Fed does elect to support a weaker dollar policy, um, what, what are the implications for investors with, with respect to that? Yeah, and, and this is, I think this is what the market's starting to figure out. And, you know, when you look at the turmoil we've had year to date and you look at the sell-off and risk assets, it's been really interesting that the Treasury hasn't really rallied, right? We haven't seen in that medium-term structure of the Treasury a real rally in yields and, you know, drop in yields and rally in price. And I think that's indicative of what we're going to see because the next policy response is going to be, unless the Fed chooses to just directly monetize deficits, we're going to see deficits widen out and we're going to see real crowding out of the private sector by government spending. And we're already starting to see that. And so... You know, and what, what, what particular areas have you noticed that? I, we've certainly seen it in housing. We've certainly seen it in autos, just with higher yields. Uh, we're starting to see spreads widen within the high-yield market. We're starting to see liquidity pull out of the leveraged loan market. So liquidity is tightening up. The market's clearly telling you that there's going to be issues in funding these deficits, and it's going to pull liquidity away from elsewhere in the marketplace. Um, and that's we've, we've seen that, right? We now... If you look at the most recent data, not only are foreigners not stepping up to buy treasuries, but you know citizens of the U.S. own more treasuries than they have in a number of years. And so, when you think about the implications of that, you know, balanced portfolios or even within equity markets, quote bond-like equities are not going to behave the way they did in the in the last cycle because they're going to get real pressure on yields. Or at least they're not going to have a relief. They're not going to have that same ballast effect. And you're going to have a different sets of winners and losers in the next recession. So, you know, you can look at and go, all right, I, we know corporations need to go through a bit of a balance sheet cleanse and a bit of deleveraging. That's just not the case with the U.S. consumer. So, you know, you see the data today it came out. U.S. consumer spending is strong. It's excellent. Uh, but that's that's going to help underlying demand for the economy, but it's not going to fix some of the issues with valuation and some of the, unfortunately, unintended consequences of, of being forced to devalue your dollar. So, so you feel comfortable with consumer balance sheet. You're less so comfortable with, with business balance sheets. A- absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, I'm less comfortable... Um, with the concept, you know, the quote, defensive stocks are going to behave very differently. And what may be defensive next cycle is something very different, which means, what, what I mean by that, it may actually be some of the deeper cyclicals. 
because the dollar's role in the world has changed. The way we're going to fund deficits has changed. And the only way to support global growth at this point um, is going to be to weaken the dollar. we got to free up dollar liquidity globally. So if I'm, if I'm hearing you right, this sounds like it's better for the U.S. economy, but maybe not so much for the U.S. equity market. Uh, correct. That's, that's absolutely correct. And it's what we've talked about in the past, right? We're at the point in the cycle, the long cycle, not a business cycle or a credit cycle. We're at the point in the cycle where you know, the, the tools and, and the policy options in front of us may, in fact, be better for Main Street than Wall Street. Right, right, for the first time in some time. Um, and so you mentioned that, you know, the tools that the, the Fed potentially would have, right, if they could go ahead and they support a weaker dollar, uh, or if they don't support a weaker dollar, um, but you also mentioned, let's just, we're probably not going to cut rates again. Uh, is there anything else that's out there you know, beyond those two? No, not really. I mean, um, just with what we've seen to date, if we don't see a big pickup in uh, income tax receipts going into 2019, then fiscal policy is, is really going to be an issue because while they can continue to spend to offset any weakness in the private sector, it's going to end up crowding out and it's not going to have a net positive effect. It won't be a positive increase in deficit spending. So you, know, you can they'll certainly cut rates. Um, I, you know, clearly going back to zero would be a mistake, but even going from two and a half back to one, it's just not going to be a needle mover for the economy. Okay. And, and clearly the pressure we're seeing is based on dollar liquidity. And the only way to address that is to weaken the dollar. Um, and it may be the case that the Fed's forced to do some type of monetization of deficits in order to, to achieve that. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And all right, so then you also talked about price recession and, um, with respect to that, do you think that the Fed continues to move forward uh, with a policy of increasing rates? Would you dare take a take an estimate in 2019? Where do you think we might be, or, or maybe more importantly, yeah. how many more raises you might see? Yeah, you know, I, I, in my opinion, I think the Fed shouldn't even raise in December. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think they most likely will. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't, and if they don't, I think it would actually give. Chairman Powell, a lot of credibility that he truly is data dependent. Um, and I believe he is. Uh, but let's say they go in, in December, unless we see a material pickup in kind of global trade, global activity, um, we've already seen a peak in inflationary pressures. Uh, we've already seen the weakness start to develop within, you know, uh, kind of the deeper cyclical areas, like we talked about housing, autos, et cetera, globally. Um, and we've already seen liquidity starting to tighten up. So from a longer-term basis, if we don't see those factors turn, then you know the back half of 19 is going to be much weaker than the front half, right. and they know that. So right. I, I will be very surprised if they don't pause after whatever they uh, do in December. All right, so my last question for you is, you know, Powell's described he, he wants to get rates toward a, a neutral place. Um, and, and would you venture to describe what is neutral, or, or maybe better yet, you know, what conditions define neutral? Uh, you know, I the conditions are easier to identify than the actual rate. Right. And I think, I think that's what we're looking for. Yeah. yeah. And I think Pal has already noted that. Um, and the conditions that you would see that would be neutral, you wouldn't see an acceleration in your commodities. Uh, I, I kind of disagree that you look at and would go, you know, an acceleration in rate wages may indicate that policy is too loose. I mean, there's a lot of factors involved in wages now. Um, so that I don't view that as a leading indicator. Um, you know, whether you're, you're past neutral, which I think we may in fact be, um, you would, you would, that would not only show up in commodity prices, it would show up in general liquidity um, globally. 
And so maybe we're at neutral or just below it in the U.S., but from a global standpoint as a reserve currency, we're well past neutral. Uh, and we've seen that in the weakness in emerging markets and elsewhere. Perfect. Great. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you hopping on uh, for a quick concession here, and we, we, we uh, look forward to having you again soon. Thanks, you bet. Chris. Thanks, Dan.